Purple Insider is presented by Oakley. Express yourself, build a look that's made for you. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Try it for yourself. Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality. So head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Insider Matthew Collar here inside TCO Performance Center following the final mini camp practice, and it is summertime. So now we're going to have some fun, and joining the show to have a good time is uh, Associated Press, Vikings writer, and of course others, I'm sure. Everyone has seen Wild. Uh, twins, twins. Gophers Timberwolves Maybe a little soccer Random stuff in? Random yeah. stuff Dave Campbell The Associated Press I have no idea How you do this Because you are Every bit dialed in With all of our Inside jokes And yet You go cover All the other stuff Are you Like every beat You know all the Inside jokes Of every beat Pretty much Although the Vikings beat Is kind of the Gold standard for You know Chicanery camaraderie just for the sheer amount of time spent at a building standing around doing nothing not having a game in front of you there's right. just there's just so much more time to fill and it's it's the most prominent beat for obvious reasons based on the nfl stature so well because i feel like you're here as much as anybody else is and then you're also like I see you, at, you know, covering a Twins game or something. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know how you do this all, but well, that's that's part of my secret. I'm actually not here quite as much as you think, but I managed to make everyone think that that I'm always here. Okay, I just roll in at the right times, roll out just like a fog. You you are very impressive at this. Like, if you told me that you were there for all of the practice when you just are at the post game press conference, I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, what's up? I would have just assumed that you were out there, but um, it, you're you're a veteran, and you know how to do your job. But also, I like I like to have you on every once in a while. It's always good to be a, on a different perspective. I think. Um, and what I asked you to do while we were closely studying every rep at this mini camp practice was to rank June intrigue from the Mike Zimmer era starting going on uh, to now. Which I think is a, is like up for interpretation of what you decide is intrigue, and the goal is to determine how intriguing this team is right now. And I didn't want to influence you too much, but I tend to think this team is pretty intriguing. But I think that you have great historical pre- perspective on this team, and so I I want to know how you kind of view where they stand right now in comparison to other years. So you've made a list. And uh, you've also got lots of notes on where Jacqueline Roy was lining up and everything else there on your notebook. <laughs> the kind of stuff that makes this year's team the most intriguing in Vikings history, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. But so we went back to 2014 was the starting point. So it gave us 10 seasons to work with or 10 Junes 10 to Junes. work with. And I think we could just start from number 10 on your list, the least sure. intriguing June, and we can count down, and I can pick it apart, and we can go from there. So of the last 10 years, what is the least intriguing June? Uh, I went with 2020 because there basically wasn't a June. <laughs> it was a couple of Zoom interviews. The team players weren't allowed in the building for COVID reasons. That's kind of the easy pick. 
Now, granted, you had Justin Jefferson coming into the team, but uh, and maybe part of this was COVID related. But you know, there wasn't that kind of a buzz the the way that um, you know maybe there even is about him now. It's just, even despite being a first round pick, you know, you still like the fourth receiver taken in that draft, and it was a playoff team you know, with a fairly productive passing attack already. So there, it wasn't like just drop everything. How is, what's this new guy looking like kind of thing. And again, so much of that is shaped by COVID and, and how cut off access, cut off off season workouts and all that stuff. But that's, that's an easy choice for the least one because it, it was sort of like, are we really doing this? this they're they're going to have a season, I guess, <laughs> you know, the world was a much different spot that you're, everyone's, everyone seemed to be like thinking about other things and sort of like, ah, I guess they're, I guess they're, I guess they're going to play. We may have been watching the Jordan documentary in June. Yes. That was about all that was going on right? in the sports world. Really? Yeah. They were, hadn't even resumed live games yet. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a very weird time kind of almost in the way, and I don't want to like make this comparison, but in the way that your parents or grandparents would tell you about other historical stuff and you'd kind of be like, Oh, that must have been crazy when that was happening. And as we were going through it, you're kind of just day by day and you don't know what's coming next. You don't know if football is happening. So there, you're right that there wasn't a whole lot of intrigue. I think what was on everyone's mind was all the same thing of, well, one, I mean, how are we going to stay safe throughout this? How is it going to be resolved? Even as a country, how is it going to be resolved? Or the world, because at the time there was no vaccination or anything. And it was like football is kind of the farthest thing from your mind, which is what made it such a weird time to start Purple Insider. <laughs> was because it was like, can I get anyone to try to pay attention to what I'm writing in June when we didn't even have a whole lot to work on? So it was more of a like scary time than it was a... Oh, is Justin Jefferson going to be or whatever? They've revamped the cornerback room. I would say that that was another thing that would play into 2020 being a good pick is that they had made the playoffs and they had had a bunch of players leave, but it wasn't like they brought in so many fascinating bodies. It was kind of like Michael Pierce. Well, Michael yeah. Pierce is here. Oh, but then he wasn't yeah. because he wasn't going to play and uh, Holton Hill like, <laughs> Oh, is yeah. he going to take the next step or something? Yeah, yeah it was yeah. not. And we all sort of knew this team is going to drop back from what they were, but yet they extended Kirk. So why did they do that? And yeah, it was a little bit confusing, but I don't think one of the most intriguing because there wasn't even any hope to really sell. It wasn't like, oh, guys, well, they've got this next wave of players and here they go. Uh, they're going to take off with this new wave. It was more like, well, half their team left and uh, I don't know if we're playing football. Yeah, basically. And it was still sort of a another wave of the run back the 2017 NFC champion right. team. Um, so they're they're just for obvious. I think that's the easy pick for anyone if it's doing a draft of these last ten. Okay. Well, what is number nine on your list? Well, I actually went with 2019 for oh, really? number nine. Okay. Why is um, that? Their first round draft pick was a center. Okay. So that's a good place to start. That right? is true. And again, we're talking. We're talking. We're trying to put the lens on June. This is topical. It's mini camp time. It is, and it also is June. And exactly right now, as we it, speak. right now. Yeah. So you know, maybe uh, that season began to take on a little bit of different life into training camp. Um, obviously, Stefan Diggs um, 
sort of dissension uh, bubbled up in, uh, I guess it was September, early October, right yeah, in there. Yeah, week, uh, was it week, week four? four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right after the Bears game. So, but these things weren't really simmering in, in June. Um, you know, there's there's always someone up for a contract extension, but it's it's kind of garden variety stuff. You always, I always think about well, what was the last season like, and how did the roster change in in March, April, and you know they missed the playoffs. Kind of a disappointing year for sure after signing Cousins and and uh, you know how far they'd gotten in in 2017. So you know 2019 sort of like you just sort of assume because the the Zimmer era had developed this like odd year success and even year failures, and so you just sort of assume. At least I didn't. Well, they'll probably be better than last year because they underachieved the previous year, but not in any kind of like really like ooh, you know. There's a lot here. Um, they could really make substantial steps, and you know they they went ten six and won a playoff game. But um, that's sort of why I ranked that so low, just because of kind of fitting within expectations and not bringing a whole lot of uh, mystery tension controversy i think tension i would say there was there wasn't mystery because we felt like we knew exactly what that team was going to be and that is what makes something not intriguing to me is when you're in june and you're seeing a lot of the same people and maybe they added a couple of guys that off season but they've never had the cap space to really add a lot of people was that uh well let's see it would have been the last year of some guys right it would have been the last year of like xavier rhodes trey wayne so we knew almost everybody going into 2019 that was before they had let everyone go the following season in 2020, like we were talking about, but this was basically the 2017 team just older and with Kirk cousins, but with the same shortcomings and not the same luck and not the same magic that it had. And, you know, Trey Waynes wasn't the same. Xavier Rhodes wasn't the same. They didn't have the depth that they did in 2017 on the defense. Dalvin cook stayed healthy. So there was some, you know, balancing out and some good, some, in bad ways, but it was really that Stefanski was taking over. Yeah, but, that was the big offseason storyline, I yeah, guess. Yeah, um, but if you remember but, when Stefanski got hired as the OC, it was a very uncomfortable press conference where he seemed the least happy of any person yes. to ever be named OC. And I think what everyone knew going into 2019 by like at June was this year is going to be potentially the last for Mike Zimmer if this doesn't work out. If they don't make the playoffs again, Mike Zimmer's getting fired. Right. was kind of how I interpreted it. But what was there to say about anything new? The new roster? Right. It was, will Kirk better fit with Stefanski than he did Filippo, which I think we all kind of knew that he would in a play action and running offense. And so there was a little bit of that, but... I yeah, yeah I, I mean there was a little bit of could Irv Smith be a thing in yeah, this offense? Sure. But these are all not super. He wore eighty four, so ooh, oh, yes. maybe it's yeah, the yeah. new Randy Moss. Uh there's definitely a difference between intrigue and tension. Yeah. When you first brought yep. up this topic, uh, if you remember our conversation, I sort of uh off the top of my head thought, Oh, this year's kind of fairly low, but after thinking about it further, um teaser alert, uh it's it's going to rank a little bit higher. Uh, the reason I immediately thought of this year is sort of being low on this sort of scale. It's like, well, it's not, there's not a real lot of tension around. We've, we've got, the, we've still got this new regime. We've still got this honeymoon period for, for KLC and 
Kwesi and um, yeah, they dumped a lot of guys for salary cap reasons, but you know, aside from the Daniel Hunter absence, you know, there's not a lot of uh, tension going around. So, but we'll get to important that. to separate those two right. things. We got to go down, keep going on the list. I know I'm talking both of those off seasons. I just remember really well. So I feel like I'm talking about them more, but we'll, we'll move quicker through the list. So we're down to number, uh, number eight, eight. eight here. I, I ranked 2016. It was sort of a run it back thing. Yeah. Largely the same roster for obvious reasons. Why wouldn't you have to, the, these players who formed this, this core and they were much younger back then. So after 2015, kind of, taking a lot of leaps um 2016 was sort of we're gonna do it you know take that next leap and um you know we this is where we first started to, to notice some tension uh in in dealing with zimmer mm. at least from the media's perspective yeah it, it surfaced more in training camp he got a, the contract extension they announced i think on reporting day of camp that year and he he definitely wore those heightened expectations throughout that season. So, um, but again, that's tension, intrigue. You know, you just sort of it was sort of a widespread assumption that this is a team on the rise, and and here's what we got. And uh, you know, the um, there wasn't some big hotshot acquisition. Uh, they, they did draft Laquan Treadwell plays a skill position i guess brought a little bit of intrigue but again he wasn't like the first receiver off the board picking in the 20s you know enough said the uh, biggest thing with that was just and i wasn't here yet in june um because i started covering the team in late july no 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 late august 2016 is when i arrived and i from my perspective though having no connection with them just like the whole nfl was just Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a guy. Like right. th- this is the year he's going to take that big step. Kind of what you saw from Jalen Hurts was almost the thought of what he was going to do. Like, oh, he got them to the playoffs and he had a pretty good game there, you know, or whatever. Got them a maybe a game-winning drive if Blair Walsh kicks it through the goalposts. But now there's like big expectations. You can't just sort of game manage your way and play defense. You're supposed to grow as a quarterback, become a franchise quarterback. And it wasn't until training camp and preseason that he looked like that was actually going to happen, I think, at at least from when I started studying the team and what was going on in preseason. His arm strength looked like it had increased and his leadership had sort of completely taken over. So that would create natural intrigue right there. But it was very much a this team uh, achieved a lot the previous season when maybe they weren't supposed to, but now expectations are real. And uh, and that makes sense, but not like some sort of huge overhaul, not some sort of wild right. story between this season and that season. So uh, a little bit intriguing based around the quarterback, but not one of the most intriguing of the last 10 years, which means number seven is 2021. OK, um, I wrote down in my notes, Bashad Breland, because <laughs> they actually signed him in June. They did. And, yeah. Uh, and Sheldon Richardson came back in June, right? Yes. So, you know for those reasons, a little higher than the seasons we just, just ranked. Um, but it was coming off a, a mass season. Um, Zimmer, there's tension there. Obviously Zimmer still on the hot seat again. Does Zimmer exist? Yes. yes. Then there is tension. <laughs> and then sort of lumping in Spielman too, and the whole, the whole thing. But again, that's tension, not necessarily intrigue. We knew those guys were going to like reinvent themselves somehow, you know, they're trying to like, 
they, you know, maybe he's introducing some wrinkles to the defense, whatnot. But, you know, it was still Kirk Cousins, a quarterback. Um, you know, I guess how was how much of a leap Justin Jefferson going to make? But he's already he already had a pretty awesome rookie season, so kind of knew what what we were were seeing with him. Um, not a lot, whole lot else from the June minicamp perspective heading toward training camp from that season that people are like, yeah. Once again, if it doesn't work, they're fired. And we yeah, knew that. Yeah, kind of knew point. that. Right. And even by June, we knew that. And when they were bringing in guys like Breland and Richardson, it felt a little panicky. Like, oh, man, they saw what they've got. And Cam Dancer wasn't healthy during yeah. that mini camp. And, like, oh, we better go out and get somebody. And then Breland wins the job in training camp. It wasn't until training camp that all hell broke loose with the vaccination stuff and with the right. Zimmer versus Kirk versus the, the other guys and all that sort of stuff that Big the team change was just completely fractured by. From June to, to yes. August because I remember um, – we just we still had Zoom only access to offseason practice, I believe, uh, at least for interviews. Yes, right? in in or spring maybe, of twenty twenty one because yeah, because we had a Zoom, a, a May or June Zoom, and I remember they put Harrison Smith and Adam Thielen on one of those. Yes, and it was just sort of an innocuous subject at that point. Uh, what do you think of the vaccine? Are you going to get it? And those guys basically came for it. No, I don't plan to be vaccinated. Which I think maybe some most people were surprised to hear at that point. It feels like that was a little bit before the the topic became so much more polarizing and politicized, right? Um, and then led to actual team issues with guys missing time in games. Back then, it was sort of oh, okay. Here's a off season topic. Ask this player about it. Or that player about it. Um, so that was what was going on in June, but it didn't seem like all that out of the ordinary. Folks, I've been wearing Oakley's now for a few weeks, and let me tell you, there is a reason that Justin Jefferson and a bunch of other football players wear these things, because they are awesome. I've got the matte black prism sapphire polar sunglasses on, and I've been doing all sorts of summer things with them. I've been hitting golf balls in the water, jogging, playing basketball, getting sunburned, but my eyes are in good shape. I have been missing out on this experience for a long time. They are so comfortable. I can wear them all day and never get tired of having them on. Oakley is changing the game and it's time for you to discover a whole new world of possibilities with your eyewear. They are suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses, allowing you for to be an extension of yourself, an expression of your personality more than meets the eye. So make a sunglasses upgrade now at oakley.com. Oakley offers prism lens technology and what the heck is that, you ask? Well, I'm looking through it right now. It is a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. If you want to know more, and I know you do, go to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're at it, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that will be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Try it for yourself. I've worn sunglasses in the past, and I can assure you that Oakley is the best looking and best quality out there. So go on over to oakley.com for more information today. Oakley, express your style and build a look that's made for you. And I remember doing a podcast with you 
in 2021 where we were kind of going through the whole thing. What do you think of this team and everything else? And I said, sort of, you know, where do you see them finishing or whatever like that? Some sort of basic question. And you're like, I don't know, eight or nine wins. It's just like <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah, and, and I think we both just went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was 2021 was the we all know exactly what's going to happen here season. And there were weird stuff that went on in the individual games and losing close games and having Cooper Rush beat them and the Lions beat them. Things that I wouldn't have predicted, but eight to 10 wins was just so the thing that was going to happen from the very outset, from June to camp to every part of the season, even when they started slow. When they started with a couple of losses and they were close losses, but you still knew, all right, at some point those will even out. Like they beat Carolina in the final moment in uh, overtime. And you just had a feeling this team is going to be middling. And what I would have never predicted is how much the wheels came off with Zimmer that he just completely lost it by the end. But even then, I think I probably could have figured that out. 2021 is, I think, the most predictable season I may have ever covered. Okay. Just knew from I the very outset that. what was going to happen, and then it did. Yeah, you're right. There was the the ways that the games ended up or whatever were not necessarily didn't see, but that's sort of uh, getting pretty picky into the weeds. Like you know the uh, the game at Arizona with uh, Greg Joseph missing. Yes, up, right. right. The the chip shot field goal. Not, not necessarily would have predicted. However, if you've followed the Vikings, then maybe you yeah, should have predicted. Would have, yeah. All right. Well, where are we at? Number six. Uh, we're on to number six. I had 2017. Um, we had no first round draft pick. Uh, thanks to the Sam Bradford trade. We are bringing Dalvin cook at this point. So he's a name, he's a skill position. I think there's a fair amount of intrigue around him. How much are they going to use him as a, a receiver? Um, this was Pat Shermer taking over the offense for the first yep. time full time. So there was definitely a shift there that was, uh, kind of interesting to watch, but again, it's June. You know, they don't show us much in the practices that are open. You know, the mini camp portion of uh, you know the season is just not not much. Of, it's not that much of an X's and O's time, especially from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also dangerous to draw any uh, depth chart conclusions. So you know, let's consider those sort of factors and you know why 2017 didn't have why it's not cracking the top five in my book off the top of my head but you know um they had such a miserable end to 2016 when they couldn't block anybody and it went through 18 left tackles that i guess that sort of as why this season would rank higher than the others we've just mentioned well like you know they're they putting together a little bit of a different twist on the offensive line. Got Riley Reef in here. Spent a lot of money on him. He's in sort of a name at that point. So there's there's starting to be some things that are a little bit different than 2016 that are starting to bear watching. Nobody knew, I don't think, that they were going to go 13-3, and three, especially behind Case Keenum. But, in fact, talk about no intrigue. Like, oh, Case Keenum's the backup right. quarterback. Just check him out. Okay. Oh, there he is doing your roster check of practice, moving on. Yep. Uh, yep. Nobody right. nobody saw that coming. I mean, that was the case through about the first preseason game even where right. it was. Wasn't even sure if he's going to make the team. Is Case Keenum going to lose this job to Taylor Heineke? Right. That was a real thought. And I also think with Sam Bradford, 
we felt like we had kind of seen maybe the best version of him, which I don't know if that was true or not. He might have been yeah. even better had he stayed healthy. But in but, 2016, he had his best career season ever, and it was kind of not good enough. Mm-hmm. They had a great defense, bad offensive line, and we knew that if they improved that, they could be a little better. I don't think we took them that seriously as being a massively better team as we should have. And they proved that we should have ultimately. But in June, it was like, well, I think they can make the playoffs. Yeah. But what they were going to do in the future with their quarterback situation was maybe the most interesting. Are they going to extend Bradford because he was becoming a free agent after that season? True. And so are they is he going to like prove to be their franchise quarterback? And what's this going to look like? So I think that there was a little bit of the tension certainly is there and pressure might be different than tension. So the there was the first start of pressure on Mike Zimmer because before he had turned them around defensively, he had taken them to new heights. And even with 2016, as much of a calamity as that was, there was still this, well, look, he lost Teddy. He they lost an eye almost. Lost yeah. an eye, yeah, right. So, but I had remember- no left tackle. There was pressure on Zimmer because he had manipulated the locker room the previous season. So there was this, he kind of better get it together here and they better take that step and they better block better and everything. Um, so yeah, I think we are starting to get a little more interesting at that point. Yeah, def- definitely true. This is why why it's pushed in the top five. Not downplaying that one. No. All right, on to the next one. Number five, we got 2022 last year. Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell. Enti- entirely new staff. Totally new culture. Getting to hear new buzzwords. Um, but, you know, more more relevantly, we're seeing new, you know, kind of this Rams-style offense that mm-hmm. just won the Super Bowl. Right. Um, and we were coming off the Harbaugh thing that had kind of, you know, yeah. really been crazy. Like, will they go A couple hire days Harbaugh? worth of craziness. They decided and then, not to. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, you're getting this team on the on the field at least for our eyes the first time, and starting to see, um, even just like listening to, how do they yell? Like, right? Those, or they those did, types, they didn't. Or they didn't. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. And it, it, I think it was maybe Adam Thielen, uh, someone said like it's really crazy. I keep waiting to get yelled at, and it doesn't come. And it's just like, what's wrong with these guys? <laughs> yeah, I, right, I think I remember right. that coming out in spring practice, or yep. maybe it's training camp. But anyway, so but certainly any any new regime. Uh, you know, brings a lot of its own intrigue, especially in that in the summertime, um, uh, especially following a previous coaching staff that lasted eight years. Uh, so it's a it's a big change. Um, roster wise, didn't change all that much, especially not as much as most people on the outside were expecting. But that was intriguing that they didn't because yeah, we thought they were true. going to. That they were going to. Yeah. Oh wait. This new new team or new new front office, new coaching staff that's kind of new age and not tied to loyalty and um, old school type stuff like the previous regime, and they're doing database decision making and not letting their feelings dictate it, and they're not they have no pressure to win right away. Wait, they're bringing the same team back. Maybe, maybe it's actually better than we think. Yeah, and sure enough, they won thirteen games. I know yeah. there's a lot of crazy finishes in there, and probably not a repeatable season based on their their point differential but nonetheless 13 wins mm-hmm. uh turned out a lot better than people thought 
And we were really trying to get at that time a sense for even who they were. Like, who is Quasi da Flamenza? Who is? Yeah, we still don't know. Right on the ladder. They try. They try their best to make sure we don't know. Right. And it would have been nice at some point to hear from uh, Quasi. I guess we will at the beginning of training camp. So hold your questions if you have them. Hold them for the next five weeks, I suppose, about Dalvin Cook and Daniil Hunter and every other situation that's out there. But uh, that is the way of the world in the NFL. Not unique that the general manager no. doesn't talk that much. No. I did have high hopes that maybe Rick Spielman hiding away, uh, that that wasn't going to be the case, but it kind of has been. So it is what it is. I mean, I don't think it's unique for NFL teams in that way, but we were just like getting our first interviews with him. And I don't remember exactly when it was. I think it was during mini camp that the USA Today article thing happened, which really kind of changed stuff. For well, the interview took him. place in May, I believe, but it didn't. It was published the day before training camp. Oh, training camp. Yeah. So we okay. Didn't have that okay. So we didn't either. have that yet. Didn't yes. Know. All right. Quick, okay. uh, quick anecdote to interject because, as you know, I cover all the, all the teams. And uh, just the other day, uh, Derek Falvey, the chief baseball officer for the Twins, who knows Quasi quite well through some mutual connections in the uh, in the analytics world. Um, anyway, uh, he's the most available uh, decision maker probably in pro sports, and he was just doing a little. Interview in the side of the clubhouse the other day before the Twins game, and I said, "You got to get your guy Quazy to do more of these." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I, I just I didn't realize how how little NFL uh, guys talk." So, totally you know, different world. It, it is possible. Our friend Alec Lewis came from covering baseball, and yeah. he was shocked at how different it is. I mean, with baseball, the reporters kind of hang around, and players come off the field, and coaches are around, and scouts are around, and you like get to know everybody, and it's not like that in football it's no. very much more buttoned up it's kind of like the white house is what it yeah. feels like you're covering Sometimes. but uh that aside though yeah. uh, i think that's a, a good place to rank that i might have even had that a little higher just because of how different the regime change was mm-hmm. how different the sports science approach uh the things that they taught the way that they talked was so much different uh, because yes. even though they weren't making the moves right away that I would expect to be analytical as they have this offseason, um, talking to Quasi was very different than talking to Spielman. Right. Talking to O'Connell yeah. was very different than talking to Mike Zimmer and making those adjustments and trying to kind of observe them like in their first year as they were adjusting. And I know that Kevin O'Connell said a bunch of times like, oh, there wasn't really that big of an adjustment period. Like, I think there probably was during that that first time. So uh, that was number five. Correct. On to number four. Number four, I had 2014. Okay. Mike takes over. That I wasn't right. That I wasn't here for. But they had been so horrible the year before. Really bad. This is very rare in Vikings history that they would go six wins in 2010. Then three. They make the playoffs with the Christian Ponder, Adrian Peterson, and then five. Five. Like, you would be hard-pressed to find a worse run, really, in Vikings history than that, that Zimmer was taking over coming off of that. Great point. Um, The 2013 season stood out for just how abysmal the defense had become. I believe they ranked uh, last in the league in points allowed. Yeah. If it was either that or second to last. Um, They lost a ton of close games. Could have easily... Pulled out, could have easily finished nine and seven, but the point is they it was time for a change, and um, I think the de- the defense uh, was probably what made that most interesting defense, and just sort of this longtime 
assistant people knew fairly well as as a name in the league and like finally getting his chance to be a head coach mm-hmm. and for as well liked as Leslie Frazier was, you know, certainly that um, you know, he had his hands tied and the level of talent that was available to him in the secondary down the stretch, but um nonetheless, uh some of the players talked about the the uh, scheme becoming pretty predictable and I think it was even Brian Robison in the following year had said, you know, he remembered um Packers or other opponents, you know, calling out the the scheme has, you know, before the snap, knowing exactly what they were going to do. So there, that brought um, a lot of intrigue around just not only how are they going to play, because it was a different, you know, they're getting rid of the Tampa 2. It's a different thing with the the A-gap, um, stacking the linebackers, uh, more aggressive, basically, mm-hmm. than – it's funny, it's very quite – similar from the Donatello to Flores transition. Yeah, right. You just wait a few years in the NFL, you'll get the same type of transition, no matter what team, no matter what side of the ball. It'll happen again. Always hire the opposite guy. Always hire the opposite guy. In in 2029, they're hiring Dan Campbell to be the coach of this team after Kevin O'Connell's been fired, right? It's just like <laughs> right, whatever, exactly. whatever the opposite is, is exactly yes. true. Funny thing about uh, that's sort of unrelated to June of 2014, but – uh, when you go back and look at 2013, there is something that would maybe remind you of what's going on right now is the opposing quarterback schedule in 2013 was a murderer's row. It was like, I mean, of course, Stafford, Rogers, Cutler is in Chicago, but you had Eli when he was good, Cam Newton, uh, that Dallas might have still been, uh, it was probably still Tony Romo. Right. Russell Wilson, I think, had gotten to Seattle there. I'm just looking at their opponents. Yeah, he was Joe, there Seattle. Joe then. Flacco. Um, Cincinnati still had a good quarterback at that time, or we, we thought Andy Dalton was a good quarterback. It was the really, yeah. really, and I think that that played into them hiring Zimmer was that they knew the division had good quarterbacks yeah. and they were going to have to be good yep. on defense. And Zimmer also, even for me not being here, I, I was very aware of his profile as a guy who had been like everyone who knew football was like, why isn't Mike Zimmer a coach, right? a head coach? I think eventually we saw why because of his nature. But uh, I think that his X's and O's acumen as a defensive mind yeah. was super well-known around the league, and I would still defend and it, proved um, it. Yeah. very much to this day. Yeah. Uh, number three on your list. Number three, 2015. Uh, 2014, I think, showed enough of the um, potential. The defensive turnaround had begun. Then in 15, they supplemented it further by – with the second and third round pick with Kendricks and Hunter, they get a they get Diggs late. Not necessarily a lot of you know buzz around him because he's a fifth rounder. He played at Maryland, lower profile college career, but nonetheless, um, he's added to the team, and, and also mostly uh, because they're coming in. This is Teddy. Bridgewater's team now, right? Right. And no, it's Vlad Dukas's team. Yeah, but we that found that came later. Actually, no, it had it had already yeah, come. It was there. it was yeah. Vlad Dukas's yeah. team. So, but you know, Bridgewater had taken some strides. It was kind of up and down, but it was a low expectation year in 2014. He's still kind of you know, it's he's a quarterback and he's got high upside and he's got a very energetic personality and everyone on the team loved him. Fan base was really quick to warm to him, so a lot of reasons that twenty the twenty fifteen team is bringing some high level of intrigue into the off season workouts, and I think the season bore that out. 
Yeah, uh, and for that season, I mean, I think that they had been talked about as this team that was kind of a year away, right? That in 2015, they ultimately yeah. kind of overachieved a little bit. But being a and this is this is what people forget. Maybe the owners forget of this team sometimes is that when you're kind of on the rise, it's fun. Even if you're not competing for the Super Bowl, it's yep. fun. When you have already risen and yep. faded, it is a nightmare. It's the worst because yep. you just can't get it back. And and if you're talking about all the time, what's coming next? What's next oh. for Teddy? What's that next step? Is this, hey, what's this Diggs guy? What's this Hunter guy? You know, there is something so interesting about that. And I and I noticed that you have not ranked this offseason yet. And I think we'll get into this. But that's how I feel very much about this team. So we were down to number two. We're down to number two. Uh, I've got this year. This year's number two. We have arrived at the, at the present moment. Explain. Well, um, rosters changed quite a bit, particularly in players who were uh, strong leaders, very experienced, valuable contributors. Um, kind of the the changes that a lot of people expected a year earlier. But you've got a you know workhorse, one of the last few workhorse running backs who played in all eighteen games last year, mm-hmm. gone turning over the backfield to a guy who was, you know, very clearly cast as a backup. And I think someone surprisingly to people on the outside decided to resign him to a contract that's too expensive for a backup. And they're ready to move forward with him as an every down guy for now. Um, you've also, and then probably most importantly or most intriguingly is Brian Flores, this new defense, um, a lot of the offensive players are are speaking about how confused they are by playing against it. Yes. Um, so that's making an we'll impression. We'll see if they're confused by playing in it. Yeah. <laughs> that that would be the downside. Yeah, right. That would that would negate any of the gains if the players playing it <laughs> can't can't keep up with all the uh, all the twists and turns. But um, it's certainly going to be more aggressive. It's. Um, it's a defense coordinator who comes with a lot of cachet. Has had a lot of success. Of course, been a head coach very recently. So that change alone uh, brings brings quite a bit. Um, and then you've got some more like subplot type things with like Brian Asamoa probably becoming every down player. He might have been the most, um, you know, might have been the best draft pick they had in twenty twenty two at what was probably going to be a, an underwhelming draft class and he played like 100 snaps i know yeah so we'd like to see more you know interested to see more snaps out of out of him and what what he might bring even just you know new players like byron murphy marcus davenport kind of these bargain level free agents they sign but nonetheless you never know some of them hit and and they outperform their contract and and they become valuable players um and then there's also Daniil Hunter. Is he here? Is, will he be here ever again? Will they trade him? Will they sign him to a big money extension? Will they try just a bridge contract to kick the can down the road a little bit? So much contract. Does he even want to be here? Yeah. Um, th- that that brings a lot of intrigue. And then uh, just the fact that it was not a given that Justin Jefferson would show up for minicamp. He did. Went through practice like normal. 
doesn't be to be any hint of tension about the lack of a deal. Who knows if that changes in training camp, but there's two years out on him. I don't get the sense that that is going to develop into a, a thing, um, a Stefan Diggs type conflict that becomes irreparable by any means. There are no rumors to have truth. To there's it. no, exactly. And uh, by the way, with this off season, how funny is it that Kirk Cousins was not signed to an extension and it's not the number one contract story? It's <laughs> a great point. I it's mean, sort of like most the, teams that would make them the silence of, of not making a move, you know, spoke a lot of volumes and as did sort of interviews with uh, over the off season with O'Connell, uh, Quasi, even Mark Wilf uh, was on, I believe, Good Morning Football once in free agent time. And he said, you know, someone, one of the people asked him about his cousins and he said, well, we're committed to Kirk for 2023 and we're looking forward to having a great 2023 season. So like, whoa, you know, not necessarily a surprise, but also it's notable that they are couching sort of their commitment to him is very much a this year and then we'll see. And I think Kirk is smart enough to know it's exactly, um, he knows exactly what's up too. Right. I think he's probably happy to show it today. He showed it today. He said, just coming to work, Just coming to work. And, um, I think we're just going to talk about that next March, which means that's almost time to be a free agent. Well, and I guess I wondered, and it's hard to ask a follow-up or, I mean, you'd love to just be like, Hey, just tell us the truth here, sir. Uh, but, Am I to interpret that as you're tabling like at this discussion like he is on his side because it seems like an extension could still happen, but now it doesn't, or at least the way that he talked today. And it was a very short answer, but he was just like, well, you know, we'll talk about that next March. I'm just coming to work. It was like, wait, are we not talking about that until next March? Yeah. Or could there be a discussion or are you just saying kind of a blow off thing or it's, it's hard to say, hard right? to say, hard probably to all the above. Yeah. I don't, it's June. It's, it's, I don't think he had any interest in indulging right. that particular question. Right. So that, that could be all there was to that answer. But let me say this though. I mean, cause I know what your number one is cause we've did a finite number of years and there's only one left. Only one left. This, this might be number one for me and I'll explain why when you give number one. But I really, really have enjoyed talking about this offseason in part because I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, if you watch a show that you've already seen the ending, you might still enjoy it. I've enjoyed covering every season here. Uh, 2020, maybe not. That was horrible. Yeah. It's just, you know, eating frozen bananas in the press box with <laughs> no other people there it was weird. But OK, aside from that, I've enjoyed every single season. So I, it just like I've enjoyed lots of episodes of The Office that I've seen before, but there's really something to I've never seen this show before, and I have no idea how it's going to end. I have no idea where the it's going to go. The season finale of I don't your know, favorite show. But I don't even know. We're in like, we're not even the season finale. We're like in the first beginning of the season. We're like in the pilot episode here. And yet, so much, you know how they do this. The pilot episode is insane, and then it yeah. sort of sets the stage. Yeah, yeah, sure. I feel like this has been the pilot episode, and I'm like in, ready to binge. But they're only releasing it on a weekly basis. So we're going to have to wait. But this this has really captivated me because I don't know where it's going. And when I felt like I knew where it was going, I would get frustrated and just complain about Spielman signing Michael Pierce. Like, that was just sort of my go-to of, well, I know what's going to happen here. Uh, last year did surprise me quite a bit with all the end-of-game stuff. Did not surprise me where the season ended or how the season ended. 
But this time, I am just like, I, is Hunter coming back? Like, I don't know. Uh, it, are they going to extend Kirk or are they like a lock to draft someone? Could some other quarterback show up here? Oh, by the way, there's a season to play. And like, how's it going to go? Is it going to get weird? Is it going to get tense? Because in 2015, if I told you the very next year, the players would be going rogue in 2016, you would have been like, what? Zimmer is totally safe. These things change fast. And I don't know do. where this I don't know where this car is going. So I, I'm like really drawn into this. I, I think it's great. I mean, I would have had it number one, but you number two I think is very reasonable. So explain number one. Well, twenty eighteen. You know, coming off the NFC championship game and they signed cousins. Uh huge bigger bigger off season deal than any of these other off season deals we've mentioned over this last half hour session. No question. No, Not I even mean, close. Fully guaranteed contract. Um, you know, they were backed into a corner by their situation, but it's like we had a almost Super Bowl team and this is supposedly the missing piece, or at least, you know, we're, we're as a franchise, they're doubling down on, you know, they're just really trying to win. And that taste of getting so close to hosting the Super Bowl in town, I think really just pushed the chips further, further into the table. Plus you had a new offensive coordinator coming in, John D. Filippo. Um, he was pretty talkative. He brought sort of an interesting personality background to, to the it, job. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Mike Hughes seemed interesting and relevant at the time. It didn't end up that way, but we're talking June. So there was a lot of things to watch. A lot of things um, going on. A lot of reason to pay close attention back last that five mini camps ago you know why it was it was less intriguing to me than this year in part because and, th and this is my own like i don't want to say arrogance i try not to be arrogant but like i thought i knew what was going to happen and then it did like i i I've, when you look back at teams that win 13 games how often they repeat it they only repeat it if they have mahomes or brady or breeze or whatever and so i had looked into that and kind of looked into what Kirk Cousins was and everything else and the players that they lost and the weaknesses they had. And I just didn't buy it at the time. And, and trust me, that did not go over well, especially on Twitter. But like, I just kind of did, like didn't believe that they were going to run it all back and, and be a Super Bowl team. I think objectively it is more intriguing because when you go from that close and add a new quarterback, that almost never happens. Right. That you just add this franchise quarterback and here's what would put you over the top for having your argument in, I think, minicamp, Kirk Cousins became so frustrated with what was going on out there between Filippo and Zimmer. He threw the football into the road out of anger, which is a long way from the field and an impressive throw. But he like got so frustrated and he came off the field and he called it like a pity party or something and talked about how frustrated everyone was. We never see that in minicamp. No. So you talk about tension, pressure, Super Bowl or bust. Every national reporter is showing up here, right. and they're all asking the same question. Oh, is Kirk a uh, Super Bowl or bust and that yeah. kind of thing? So objectively speaking, I just felt like historically speaking, many times this has sort of been tried. Elvis Gerback to the Ravens and that kind of thing. After Scott uh, Mitchell to the Lions. Yes, yes. It's just been tried a lot of times, and... I think they've gotten maybe the best outcome out of Kirk's play that they could have asked for at the time. 
uh, the accumulation of how he's performed is about as best you could have ever hoped for. I just never really bought that it was going to work. And so then when it didn't, I was sort of like, yeah, okay, I thought so. But that's, that's just, that's not how we should do this. Like that was a all in, this team is going to really go for it. And how many of those do you really get? This team is really going for it and they have a chance and Vegas has them as top Super Bowl odds and everything else. Unless you have Mahomes, unless you have Brady Breeze, you don't get in that conversation all the time. And 2018 is the the only time, I think, wouldn't you say, in the last 10 years that they actually went into a season where people were picking them as a Super Bowl favorite. Because 17, Mm. they definitely weren't. Oh, no. It it hadn't happened before that in that in this ten year span was was it mentioned at all in twenty twenty? I don't know. I'm also not trying to say I told you so about twenty eighteen. Yeah. I'm just saying what I thought at the time. Yeah, it'd be fair to say that was the highest expectations yes. externally for this team in the last ten years. Plus, don't forget, they drafted a kicker that year. Oh, yes. And there's nothing like a kicker in minicamp sure to catch did. your attention. The one with long levers, as the previous special teams coordinator referred to him. They sure did. Uh, okay, last question. This has been great. Your list was fantastic. I think I honestly hey, think that I have props no... props to you for coming up with the topic. I have no disagreements, and props to you for making it um, and making it a really fun discussion. So uh, I, I referenced when you had sort of gone like, meh, I don't know, eight wins. What, what do you got? What's oh, your no. What's your June feeling? Come on, please. The Associated Press can have hot takes. It's not. It's not against the rules, is it? Is that your handbook? Mm, well, on. it wouldn't even be a hot take. It's it's a it's Does a it simple prediction about it. No hot takes in the Associated Press handbook. Well, so basically, it's, it's 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 unwritten. Actually, it's more <laughs> of my own philosophical sort of distaste for predictions, and it just everyone just wants to know what's happening next. How about you just sit back and watch but that's why you have to do it though like you yeah. have to give it's not a prediction so much as it is a feeling about a feeling. this team right now what do you think happens uh i think they still win the division oh okay see this is a hot take it's not a hot yes take. it is with everyone's the, got the, the line with probably yeah okay so <laughs> Yeah. You did it. Everyone's got the lines. And how do we <laughs> yeah, think right. that movie's going to end? <laughs> right, right. We've seen that Netflix show before. I'm going to I'm going to real I'm going to pour as much cold water as I can finally as I can find in this room on this hot supposedly hot take. Your words not mine. And say it's a like a three-way 9 and 8 tie with the Packers and the Lions. I could see that. I mean, yeah. It in a vacuum, forgetting about what the other team's going to do, because I know I have even less feeling, of course, about how the other team's going to do. Right. Yeah, a 10-win ceiling, I think, is what I would feel. Very difficult schedule, as you alluded to, with yeah. the opposing quarterbacks. Um, and no matter how much of a genius Flores is, there's still a lot of, a lot of holes um, that we think are existing on this defense. I would say if they win 10 games, that – we are going to think about the future very differently, as in you've got a ready-made contender for a quarterback, as opposed yep. to sure. if they win five games, you're saying there's a lot to rebuild here, and you definitely are drafting one, and then your timeline is two years. But if you win 10 games and Kirk is going to leave, 
But then it's, is Kirk going to leave if he won 10 games with this and then run it back? Like Things get very complicated then. Which, which is, is why the, exactly that's what's going to happen because yeah. Vikings history always becomes complicated. <laughs> yes. It's never cut and dried. It's never they win the Super Bowl or it's going to happen next year. It's never very rarely, oh, they bottomed out. It's time to rebuild. It's always somewhere in that mushy middle. Yeah, as it always is. Well, uh, great list, great discussion, and uh, we will definitely do it again, Dave. Appreciate you, man. What, what's uh, well, I usually I ask people for like their Twitter, where to follow them, but you like don't like Twitter, so do you want people to know your Twitter? Sure, it's at Dave Campbell AP. Okay, there you go. You can count on links to my stories. And... <laughs> well, you do a great job, and uh, we'll do it again, man. Thanks. All right.